All right. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm suffering from what I call the Miami crud. If you've talked to anyone that went on the missions trip, you know we just basically passed something around the whole week. So if I cough or <clears throat> have to clear my throat, please forgive me. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 11. We're going to continue our study through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. Basically, the chapter and the passage we're going to look at uh, this evening is a summary of Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, the writer Luke tells the story of Peter and Cornelius, where Peter sees this crazy vision and then goes to Cornelius' house and basically leads all of his family uh, to Christ. This story is really significant in the book of Acts because it is the longest narrative in the entire book of Acts. The importance of the story is reiterated by the repetition of these events with Cornelius. And if you read chapter 10 and into chapter 11, you know that the visions of Cornelius and Peter are repeated several times. And so the fact that it's the longest narrative in the book of Acts... And the fact that the author, inspired by God, repeats the event several times should cause us to stop and to ask ourselves, what is it about this passage that God wants to teach us? Because there's obviously something that he doesn't want us to miss in the passage that we're going to look at this evening. Verses 1 through 18 in chapter 11 is actually the last scene in this narrative of Cornelius and Peter. And it actually takes place in Jerusalem where Peter is meeting with the religious leaders of his day. And they're not happy with Peter. They're not happy that Peter has been rubbing shoulders with outsiders, the Gentiles. And here in these 18 verses... Peter defends his actions by basically retelling the story of his encounter with Cornelius. In the passage before us this evening, God is showing us and he's showing the church that the kingship of Jesus extends to every nation, to every tongue, to every tribe, to every people group, to every economic class, to every social class. And if it is not extending to all of those areas, then it's not Christianity. You see, the reason why Christianity was able to topple the Roman Empire so quickly is because it was open to everyone. And it wasn't just about those that had it all together. And there are few people that need to hear this message tonight more than us. So I hope you'll pay careful attention as we read God's Word. Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. Follow along while I read. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the Word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying... You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, 
And in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house, we know from chapter 10, Cornelius. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gifts to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ... Who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. This is God's word. Let me pray. Father, we pray for your blessing upon the preaching of your word tonight. Holy Spirit, would you come and convict and teach and rebuke, correct us, lead us to repentance over the walls that we build up in our lives, lead us to repentance over how we don't really want to move towards broken people. Father, we need your help if we are going to apply these things tonight. And so please help us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been here this semester, you know that through our study of the book of Acts, it's really been about one thing. It's been about what Jesus continues to do and teach in the world. Remember way back in Acts chapter 1, we talked and learned that Jesus ascended into heaven where he sat down at the right hand of God the Father. But though he was gone physically from us, we've learned that he is still spiritually present at work, building his church in the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so one of the questions we naturally have is how do we know when Jesus is at work? We know the Bible teaches that Jesus is still ruling and reigning and working out his purposes in the world. How do we know he is at work in our lives and in our community? Well, we see three ways in our passage that we're going to look at tonight. Three signs, if you will, that Jesus is at work in our lives and in our community. Number one, when Jesus is present, the walls come down. Number two... We start to move out into the world towards people that aren't like us, towards the outcast. And thirdly, we'll see we start to talk about Jesus. 
we start to talk about the gospel. Let's start with number one. The walls come down. If you have an outline, it's printed for you on the back of the announcements. Look at verses 5 through 11. What's up with this weird vision? We've got to kind of talk about this weird vision that Peter has. Well, the Jewish people at the time of the Old Testament had taken the Old Testament, or at this time, had taken the Old Testament requirements to stay away from certain foods and certain people, and they had actually taken that in an ungodly direction. You see, the laws, these laws of eating unclean and clean food were originally designed to show God's people how serious sin was and to show them how sin separated them from God. Then we get to Peter's time, and what had happened is they had taken these in an ungodly direction and actually started to use these food laws as boundary markers as walls, if you will, that determined who was in and who was out of relationship with God. And so down comes this sheet you see in the passage, verse 5. And you see the emphasis here on the four corners of the sheet. We know that a sheet has four corners. He didn't have to tell us that. Why is he emphasizing the four corners? Anytime in Scripture that you see the four corners, it almost always refers to the four corners of the earth. So do you see it? On this sheet was a visible representation of all the peoples of the earth. This wasn't a vision about food. This was a vision about people. God was showing Peter, Peter all mankind. He was spreading them out before him and showing Peter how he was reviling and rejecting people. God was giving Peter this vision and he was saying, Peter, I'm going to show you something that is at the very heart of the gospel. And the very heart of the gospel is when the walls start coming down between you and other people. Let me ask you, are the walls in your lives coming down? Does everyone in your Greek house get a fair hearing? Do you isolate people with your religious language and by the way you talk where those other people that don't talk like you somehow feel like they're on the outside because you're using so much Christian lingo? What about your political views? Do you isolate people with your political views? Do you have cliques? that actually, instead of being inclusive, you actually push people away. Ask yourself these questions and you'll soon realize that every single one of us has all kinds of walls in our lives that we build that keep others out. The primary result of Jesus' work in your life is a breaking down of walls. That is at the very core of what it means to be a Christian. 
Jesus broke down the wall that existed between you and God so that you could break down the walls and move towards people, breaking down the walls that exist between you and other people. When Jesus breaks into your life, when Jesus shows up, things start to change in your life. You see, when Jesus shows up, you no longer see black skin and white skin. You no longer see poor people and rich people. You no longer see those that are intellectually superior and those that are just mediocre in the classroom. You no longer see cool people and awkward people. You stop reading the labels on clothes and on cars. You see, Jesus comes in and he levels us. That's what the gospel does. It's a leveling experience. Why? Because it says, before Jesus, we're all the same. Think about your best day spiritually. The best day you've ever had in your entire life. Someone had to die for you on your best day. You see, every single one of us desperately needs a Savior. And there are really only two kinds of people in the world. Those that need a Savior and those that have a Savior. If the walls, friends, are not progressively coming down in your lives and in this ministry, then we don't really understand the gospel. We don't really understand what Jesus came to do for us. You see, unity among friends, unity among nations, among races, among families, it's not just some lofty idea. It should be a reality if Jesus is present. It is a fact of following Jesus. And if it is not there and not happening, then Jesus is not there. Because when Jesus shows up, the walls come down. How do you know that Jesus is at work in your life and in the community? Well, first, the walls come down. Secondly, you move towards broken people. Look at verses 13 through 11 through 13. Peter comes out of this trance, and then right when he comes out of it, boom, three men show up, and they take him to the home of Cornelius. This is a big deal. This is huge. Why? Well, because... Cornelius was a Gentile. And he wasn't just any Gentile. If you read chapter 10, you'll learn that he was a Roman centurion. That meant that he was a Roman soldier that was in charge of many men. Not only that, if you read chapter 10, you know that he was from the Italian regiment, which meant that he was a true Roman. Romans, Gentiles, were the most despised among the Jewish people. If you grew up a Jew, your mother and father said, stay away from Gentiles generally, but especially the Romans. Now, if you've read the story, yes, I understand that Cornelius was special. 
I understand that he was a God-fearer, which meant that he kind of liked Judaism and believed in one great God. I understand that he was kind, if you've read the story, and generous, but that doesn't matter. He was still a Roman centurion. He was still a Gentile. And that was a big deal, because here's what God was doing. God was calling Peter to go to the most objectionable person in his world. He was calling him to go into the home of a Gentile. And upon doing so, Peter would become dirty and would become not fit for Jewish worship. Old Testament law said that Peter could even be stoned for doing what he was about to do and walking in the home of a Gentile. You see, when the Spirit showed up, Peter stopped running away from people. And he started running to them. How do you know that Jesus has shown up in your life? Well, you stop running away from people. You start running to the people in the world that everyone else is running away from. Think about the most... The person in your life, in your class, on your hall, in your social circle that no one likes. That no one wants anything to do with. That everyone ignores. Hear Jesus and go to them. Run to them. Think about the person that you've hurt in your life. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's one of your friends. Hear Jesus and run to them. You see, when Jesus comes into our lives and breaks in with his grace and mercy, we stop running from the awkward. We stop running from the lonely, from the broken, from the poor, and we start running to them instead of running away from them. This is what it means to follow Jesus. This is what it means to live the Christian life. So how do you know that Jesus is at work? The walls come down. You start moving towards people instead of away from them. And thirdly and finally, you share Jesus. You talk about the gospel. You talk about who Christ is and what he's done. Look at verses 14 and 17. Peter is being criticized by the religious establishment for going to the home of a Gentile. And here's Peter's defense, basically. He said, guys, listen, all I did was tell them about Jesus. That's it. And then if you look in chapter 10, verses 34 and following, we see exactly what Peter said. And what Peter says is basically this, just the simple story of Jesus. He says Jesus came and he walked the earth. He lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. Says that he died on a cross for your sins. He was put in the grave, but he rose again three days later. He ascended into heaven and says he will then one day come again to judge the living and the dead. 
Our daughter, Kate, most of you know her. She is four. And in her short life, she has had a series of obsessions. It started a long time ago with Dora the Explorer. And Dora, with all her Latino flair, couldn't hold Kate's attention for very long. She quickly moved into the princesses, the Disney princesses, namely Cinderella. And I can't tell you how many times I have seen the Disney princess movies. And if you've seen them, you'll know one thing. They all have the basic same storyline. Right? There's a time at the beginning when things are wonderful. Then a great problem is introduced in Cinderella, the shoe crisis, you know. And then there is the great climax where the problem is dealt with. And then there's the resolution when things are even better than they were before. You know, that is the message in a similar way of Christianity. You see, the message of Christianity and the message that Peter took to Cornelius and his family was a story, and it wasn't a fairy tale, but it was 100% true. And it was a story about a king, a good king who created his people and loved them and cared for them in all of his wisdom. The people got tired of that, and they decided to rebel against the king. They decided to reject his kingship, but the king loved his people so much that he wanted to be with them. He wanted to be with them and have him have his people in his courts so that he could be near to them because he knew that his courts were the best courts. And so you know what he did? He did the unthinkable. He sent his one and only son down to be crucified for these people so that he could be with them forever and ever. Oh, but don't forget the happy ending. When he will one day, the king says he's going to come back and return and things will be even better than they were before. Everything that is sad will become untrue. All the suffering and tears will be wiped away. And he will reign forever and ever. That is the message of Christianity. That is the message of the gospel. And Peter goes to the most objectionable people in his world. And he simply invites them to enter this story. You see, that's what evangelism is. Evangelism is us simply inviting people into the story of Jesus. And that's exactly what Peter did. But in order for that to happen, Peter had to really go against his normal way of living, didn't he? I mean, think about it here. He had to give up his comfort. He had to give up kind of the way he was raised and the way his parents had taught him to think about Gentiles. He had to give up his reputation. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty comfortable with my life. I mean, I've got friends that are like me. I've got neighbors that are like me. I've got a lot of people in this ministry that are like me. I feel pretty safe. You probably feel like that as well. 
But we start to get uncomfortable when God starts to call us out of our comfort zone to go share Jesus with people that are outside our circles. And some of you might say, and I get this, I really do. You might say, I don't even know, I'm just, I can't connect with those people. I'm not sure I can do that. I mean, they're so unlike me, I'm not sure I can connect with them. I understand that. I get that. But, can you share Jesus with them? Can you share the message that Peter shared with Cornelius and his family? You don't need a technique. You don't need one more book on evangelism. You don't need to go to one more conference on how to present the gospel. You don't need eloquent words in a canned speech. You need this basic message. That's it. Jesus came and lived a perfect life because we couldn't live it. He died on a cross. He rose again. And he's going to come back and judge the living and the dead. Then look at verse 15. Look at what happens. Peter starts talking about Jesus and then look who shows up. Who shows up? The Holy Spirit. Do you see the source of success for evangelism? It's not eloquent words. It's not your ability to connect with people and to cross cultural gaps and differences that exist between you and others. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And where the gospel is preached and where Jesus is talked about, the Holy Spirit is present and at work. That's your success for evangelism. So how's this going to happen? How are we going to become a people that live this way in the things that we've talked about in this passage? How are we going to be this type of community? A community and a people where the walls are coming down, where we are moving towards the broken and the downcast, and where we are taking the gospel to those who need to hear it. How is it going to happen? It's going to happen in this group and in your life when the gospel melts your heart. That's it. It's not try harder. It's not pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go storm smith in veil. It is bask and sit in the gospel until it changes you. You see, the gospel needs to melt our hearts. And here's the gospel. When you were the most objectionable person in the world, when you were without hope, when you were awkward, when you were lost, when you were lonely, when you were in need, Jesus came running to you. Jesus pursued you and reached out to you with grace and compassion. And those realities have to make their way down deep into our hearts and in in our souls. And when they do, guess what? The walls that isolate will come crashing down. 
And you know what? After they come crashing down, you know what else will happen? We'll finally discover that the drunk, foul-mouthed sweet mate that we can't stand was brutally abused as a child. Or maybe we'll realize too or discover that the girl that we condemn for sleeping around has never heard the words, I love you. Or maybe even we'll discover that the self-righteous girl in our class that gets on our nerves, maybe we'll discover that her mom's dying of a terminal illness. You think about that. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we long to live out the things that we've talked about in this passage. We long to have hearts of compassion. We long for the walls to come down in our lives. We long for courage to move out towards other people. And so, Father, would you grant us that? Would you give us repentance? But also, would you work in our hearts and change us so that we can start moving towards the things that we've talked about? So that your love for us would overflow out of our hearts into the world around us. Would you please do this in Jesus' name? Amen.